You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. everyone and welcome back to another episode of made to shine i am so excited you took the time out of your day to be on tune in and lucky for you we have a special episode today i have the beautiful amazing so impressive lucy saltmarsh joining me you guys lucy is a digital marketer fitness trainer former gymnast she has forty-five thousand followers on tiktok over 80,000 followers on Instagram, and is the host of your Monday Motivational Minute podcast. Lucy, welcome to Made to Shine. So excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I'll tell you what, I know we were chatting a little bit before this, but I'm so excited you're on here. And you guys, Lucy and I, we have, uh, I guess, a long history without us directly being connected. Our sisters grew up playing soccer together. I have followed Lucy on social for so long, and I'll tag all of her stuff in it before, but she is just so impressive with all that she does and all she can do with her body. But I think mostly Lucy, the most impressive thing about you is just your energy. You are someone that just has this beautiful, bright energy about you. And it is conveyed in all your messages. I've listened to your podcast, all your posts. It's just, it really does inspire, you know, the person that's been in fitness for forever or the person just getting started or just anyone starting kind of a self-development journey to do that with grace and love and kindness to themselves. Oh, so man. seriously, you are so impressive and doing so much good for the world. And before we get into your journey and sure. what you do, all the stuff, we have to open up Made to Shine with my go-to question, which is, what is your favorite quote and why? Okay. So I knew this question was coming and I am such a quote girl, like big time quote Same. girl. Do my Monday <laughs> motivation every week and like sit there and read and just like feel what hits me that day. So when you asked this question, I was like, oh man, we're just gonna have to see where we're at today. But this is when I come back to regularly and it's a Brooke Hampton quote that said, I hope there are days when your coffee tastes like magic, your playlist makes you dance, strangers make you smile and the night sky touches your soul. I hope there are days when you fall in love with being alive. And, you know, there were so many times, I'm sure we'll roll through some of this, but my childhood was so great in so many ways. And I struggled so deeply with trauma, with mental health, with feeling any self-worth, with trying to escape perfectionism, all of these things. And so many days, you know, I really didn't want to be here and days Mm -hmm. didn't feel good. And then throughout this process, I've kind of fallen in love, some days better than others, but with being alive and, you know, with the magic that just exists in the mundane. And so I I really, really love that quote because it is all in the little things. And so the amount of magic you see in the world is truly just how much you look around and try and look for it. So that's my one. Oh my gosh. It's, I've, I've read that quote before. I've never heard anyone actually say it without reading off of something. You just, that was amazing. I mean, that's like a Shakespearean play you just read off there. (laughs) But it's so true. And I love that because it requires intention. It requires intention to find the magic in every single day. It also 
is so, I think what would be surprising for people hearing just the, the happiness and the positivity and the uplifting tone of your voice to know there were days where you felt like that, especially someone looking at your socials or looking at your life now. And so I want to backtrack because it's easy to look at you now and say, okay, Lucy, tell us how to do all the things in life to be amazing. And I know you've never had a bad day, but you have, you have felt the, the, the heaviness of life before. So, so let's backtrack. You are this amazing fitness trainer. You are this person who's so pro self-development and working on yourself. Were you always like that? Or when did you kind of start this journey? What'd that look like? Yeah, so absolutely not. Um, I So I'm someone who inherently has a high drive. And from the get, I like succeeding. I liked performing well in school. I liked succeeding in sports. I liked going for awards and medals and pushing a little bit more. And so I think I inherently have a very high drive. Um, and I do have a lot of energy that just lives in my body. And a lot of that throughout my life has come in the form of anxiety, which mm -hmm. it's only through this last, I don't know, 15 years, maybe somewhere around there of trying to really understand myself and what works for me and what my passions are and all of this that I've kind of been able to harness it. And so no, um, at first I just thought kind of the point of life was to get up and check as many boxes as you can and go to sleep and do it again. And like, I looked left and right and people didn't seem to be living that way, but I couldn't figure out how or why. Um, so I was someone who was very lucky. I got into therapy super young around 10 or 11 mm -hmm. and I was hospitalized the first time for an eating disorder right around 14. Um, so I got really acute inpatient care, 24 seven care. And that was something that journeyed for years for me. And so no, was I always super into self-development, but then all of a sudden I saw these people who had stories that were far harder and far darker and far more tragic than mine. And I watched them come out the other side and I watched them come back and pick other people up and drag them along and help show them this light of recovery and life. And that there's so much more out there and that every day doesn't have to be a trial to get through. And so the first time I felt that and was able to like put it into words and look at someone else and be like, I know how you get out. It's been hard to want to stop. Because, that is, yep. Or keep going. I no, no, your but that, that's it. It's just that if the decision is that a day, it feels like it's a tragedy to get through and I'm just gripping on for dear life, hoping that I can fall asleep that night and, oh, I'm going to have to wake up and do it again or that life can be really beautiful, it's that every time. Amen. I think that so many people, there's a quote I absolutely love. It's like, one day how you get through this hard time is going to be someone else's survival guide. And I know for me, going through my own relationship, I had a really abusive relationship with food and exercise growing up when I was training for college sports. And I definitely want to talk about that uh, in a second here. But um and, and then just even like your inner demons, like the, I'm not good enough. I can't do this, all the things. And the beautiful thing about that is when you're brave enough to look at it and to, to move forward, not around it, but through it, you can reach back and light a torch for someone else to walk that path to. And I think when you can use your platform or, and for anyone listening, like when I say platform, your life is a platform. It doesn't matter if you have... 
two followers or two million, like how you live your life in walking through those things, like you're going to be able to use that as leverage to help other people. And you do that every single day, Lucy. And I can relate to you so much on being performance oriented. I'm curious for you, something I struggled with growing up and still have to be intentional about is I associated achievement with worth. It's like the more I achieved, the more worthy I was, the more lovable I was. I'm curious, one, if that's something that like a a correlation you yourself had that was driving you. And two, now that you're you're grown and moving through this process of self-development, what are sort of some practical tools that you use to combat that thinking as you continue to be driven, but doing it for the right reasons? For sure. The, you know, like, who are you as a person? I would just check off different achievements I have. And like, that's not who I am. Those are things that I do or things that I've done or I've been recognized for. But, you know, someone asked me that one time and I was like, I don't know who I am. And that's a really scary thing. Um, So, you know, now the most practical tool, and it seems so obvious when you say it out loud, is I try really hard to talk to myself the way I would a friend or the way Mm. I would my fiance or the way I would my sister. Because my head is not inherently nice. I am a super loving person. I coach in a super positive way. And then it's like the one person that I can't seem to find that same base level of compassion for so many days is myself. And so the second I hear that voice turn and it says, you're too much or you're not enough or you're not good enough or whatever those baseline things are, I pause. Mm -hmm. And if anyone else came to me and said one of those things, I can present evidence to the contrary. And so I try really hard to do that to myself because just saying nice things and nice affirmations, sometimes it works. Sometimes, and I think there's inherent value to it. I'm a big affirmation gal, but I don't always feel it. Mm -hmm. But if I can cut it off and give myself some hard evidence to the contrary, that works beautifully for me. I love that. And that, I think to everyone knowledge tuning in, it requires awareness. You can't cut off a thought if you're not aware of a thought. And I just, I I read someone somewhere sometime, like most of our thoughts are just automatic. They're like habits. We think them and we believe them and we don't even realize we're thinking them, but we just accept them is absolute truth. And when you understand you, like all of your thoughts, you're choosing to believe them, which means you can choose a more powerful thought. That kind of practice of interrupting the negative or less helpful. I always say like, I don't necessarily like the idea of positive and negative thoughts. I like helpful and not helpful thoughts. Like, is this thought of me sucking and not being good enough? Is it helping me? No. Why on earth would I choose to believe this horribly non-helpful thought? And so I love that you, you just, you cut it off. You cut it off with a more helpful thought or a more helpful affirmation. Um, and that seems to have carried you, I guess, a lot in your growth from what I've seen and just everything you're doing. And I kind of want to talk to you about with this, I know you're, you're a personal trainer and there's so much, obviously physicality that goes into training, but there's also a ton of mentality. And you mentioned that growing up, you were diagnosed with an eating disorder. I myself really struggled with my relationship between food and exercise. Like I was an athlete. I was going to go play tennis in college, but I didn't want to look like an athlete. I was terrified of muscles and um, none of the girls in my grade had muscles. And I hated the fact that I did. And that's such a hardship. So many women still face today. Oh, And so yeah. 
I kind of want to, I kind of want to go that route because a lot of my, the people that I talk with in regards to nutrition, whatever it is, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. It's like as women, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to bulk up. I don't want to, um, I need to be small and petite. I guess what were kind of the initial signs for you when you were starting that the, the eating disorder experience that maybe you recognize this is a red flag or something, you know, this is getting pretty bad or what was that journey like? Yeah. Um, so again, I was really young when it first took hold. And you were how old again? So nine, 10. Nine. Okay. Wow. Um, and it had gotten pretty severe by the time I was 11. And I continued to struggle on and off till I was 20. So I'm now 27 and have a great level of separation from it, have seven years of recovery and really feel like I'm in a place to talk about it competently. But I think, you know, and I'll, I'm going to come back to where we start, where your question started. But I think the thing that I also struggle with sometimes is you kind of get in, you get real deep in eating disorder recovery, and then you only want to talk about eating disorders. And that's a really dangerous thing too, because the eating disorder is a control mechanism that life mm. feels really, really chaotic. And I feel like I don't have any control over whatever it is, home, school, my body, my relationships, whatever those things are. And this is the thing I can control. This is the thing that I can check off and I'm getting better each day. The scale's going down each day. Mm -hmm. I ate less each day or I exercise more or whatever it is. It creates a very physical metric for it. But mm -hmm. life isn't metrics. Life so is a lot of embracing the gray and moving through it. Um, so, you know, the things that I get really concerned when people do, if you're going to wholesale cut out a food group, whoo. I want to I want to check in with it. Um, mm. If you're going to whole scale to cut out multiple food groups, I'm really really going to push back on that because even a doctor who's advising you to pull something is going to tell you to do one thing at a time because there's no way to know what's working and what doesn't if you pull everything back. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to eliminate any fun foods, like so as a kid, you know people would start bringing cakes in for birthdays and like that was hell, but I knew that wasn't happening. So when that voice disallows, you know, there's not birthdays every day. We're not eating birthday cake every single day in school. But when once a month feels like too much, it's that. It's that when you start checking out of life and, you know, it's something I'm very, very cognizant of um, as I've become so invested in my fitness that my life for me will never be fitness driven from the core. If I lose the ability to go out and order what I eat at restaurants, I'm not winning. I've lost myself again. So good. So good. Um, I think that that is such a, it's crazy to say that's such an alienated concept to today's culture, but I do think people, they're so extreme. It's like we, 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 you know, it's like, oh, I need to lose five pounds. Well, no bread, no bread <laughs> for the rest of my life. Like I, I'm never having um, artificial foods again. I'm never having cookie cake again. And it, it's just like, there's no, there's no sense of moderation. It's such a control mechanism. And that's, I can, I can sympathize with that in the sense that I was the same way. It's like, for me, that was my outlet of control when I felt like, okay, you know, the tennis recruiting process, I didn't feel like I was in control of that grades. I didn't feel like I was in control of that. And it was this one Avenue. I was like, I had complete autonomy over. And so I guess like in your progression of getting healthier, was it a matter of just shifting your control from that into other areas that were more helpful or what did that look like? 
I think it's turning over control completely. So I think oh, it's realizing that. Here. <laughs> and so that's the one that everyone's like, oh gosh. <laughs> but it's, it's that life is not this controllable thing. I mean, it's an entity in in and of itself. We can't control relationships. We can control our input. It, even if we put in the perfect input, the one that we exactly sought for, people might not respond how we want to. I mean, I can remember sitting in treatment and my mom called to say that they're putting my dog down. And so I walked back. We were all at breakfast. I was like, well, screw this. I'm not eating breakfast. And then someone looked at me and was like, is this how we're going to take on life though? That every wow. time something bad happens, we're just back to the beginning or that we've given up on that day or that we're going to just take the loss right away. You can try. You can you can take a bite. And it, that to me has been pretty dramatic. That's an experience I've spoken about actually three times in the last week because that was the first time. What am I going to do? I'm not going to eat the rest of the day, even though I still have breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. I'm going to look at five other opportunities to stack a win and instead automatically take myself out of the game, forfeit. Mm. That doesn't work for me anymore. And Mm -hmm. that was a pretty dramatic turning point. Do I think I could have done it if I was by myself? No. But when there's, you know, three other therapists around and five other people looking at you, cheering you on, it put a lot of things into perspective. Wow. That's so good. I, I'm curious, like, because as you're, as you're talking through that, like, you know, something hard happens, am I just going to take myself out of the game? Am I just going to go back to square one? Cause one thing hard happens. That is a recipe for life right there. I mean, regardless of your struggle, that's a lesson that applies to so much of just your day to day of your, your moments to moments. And so Thinking of, you know, what you went through with your eating disorder, but also just, you know, your journey in general, moving from that to being so involved in fitness and getting strong and getting, I'm curious, how have the lessons in those things impacted your broader life? What have you learned that you can apply to just your day-to-day with your relationships, with your work, with people? Oh, yeah. So I like to say the gym is just the metaphor for life. Um, this is a big CrossFit com- I concept. I, I love that. Yeah, so it's that the hour we spend in the gym sets the tone of what we do the other 23 hours of the day. Um, so I don't cheat reps in the gym. I do everything to the full standard. I don't cheat reps in life. When there's an easy out, I don't take it. Um, I'm No one's counting my reps. I could lie. I could do whatever. Honesty above anything else, because if you lie to yourself, you'll lose yourself entirely. Mm-hmm. Um this one's a little more tangible, but I walked in and I saw strong ladies for the first time. And I realized that that's what I wanted. I wanted these women who were able to lift a bunch of weight, but also take on just a bunch of things in life. Because these were women who were CEOs and starting their own business and just thriving in all of these other realms. And it's because they just know how to show up and work. And do they always succeed? No. But the failures bring them to the next point. Um, Mm -hmm. The communication, especially in coaching. I'm a big positivity positivity sandwich kind of gal. We can look at something good. We can correct something. And then there's still something else good. Because at the Mm -hmm. point that you think there are more negatives to anything you do than a positive, I would ask how invested you truly are. 
Because if it's something that you feel like is pulling you down or waiting you or doing any of these other things, then you're either not showing up for yourself or you're not really committed is my personal take on it. Because Mm -hmm. anyone who's truly invested in something, even if we're challenged, we're still making forward progress and we're still acknowledging that progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last bit about it is that nothing's overnight. I mean, you're especially when you get to the peak of what you can do, you might take six months before you can add another two and a half pounds to a lift. Does that mean that you quit because it's not happening quick enough? Or does that mean that for six months, you're just consistent as heck, you get in there and you keep giving it your all until eventually that growth happens. So those are my general. So good. Okay. There's so many questions I have of that, but I want to dive into failure because you mentioned like, being stronger, seeing examples of women that are strong, they're CEOs, they're doing all the things, they're trying one more, they're going to the point of failure. Sometimes I think the reason that people are so hesitant to either try fitness in general, try something new in the self-development front, go for that promotion, go for that interview, um, just try a different way of working out. The amount of people I talk to that are like, I you would have to kill me before I go in the squat rack and the gym with all those dudes. No, thanks. I'm going to stick to my stair stepper and my treadmill. I've said that before too, right? Like I totally get that. It's because of this fear of not just failure, but being seen failing. And I think people are more afraid of being seen as a failure than just failing in silent, failing in private. And on one of your Monday motivational minutes, you talked about kind of redefining failure and almost like, defining it in such a way that gives you life versus or is helpful versus not helpful back to the thoughts we were talking about can you discuss a little bit about that like how you redefine failure so that you're constantly going for more and not afraid to yeah failure is simply iteration so iteration for anyone who's not familiar is just the process of continuous improvement um and so if we're talking about creating a data-driven model the first model is not very good but then we iterate and it gets progressively better and we iterate and it gets progressively better and iterate. And so your first failure is ground zero. The next one, next level up. And so these failures stack. And though it's failure in the sense that, yes, the goal we had in mind didn't get accomplished, we're still pushing in that direction. We still showed up for ourselves. We didn't get off the path. So the failure when you quit that's wholly unacceptable to me. And that's, that's not something that flies in my world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I kind of put it as sometimes like the failure of just never trying. I mean, for me, there, there's been so many things in my life I've done that have just not worked out. Like they were a failure by every aspect of the word of it not being successful, whatever that looked like. But I tried, I put myself out there. And the pain of unexpressed potential, Mm. I think, is the greatest pain in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk a lot about just like those kind of incremental points of progress over time. We live in a world that wants results like yesterday. You know, Mm -hmm. they want to go to the gym and have six-pack abs by an hour and a half into their workout. And you see it, like people market their workouts that way. 20 minutes to a six-pack abs or, or 30 minutes to like quads that look like Abby Wambachs from the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, whatever that is. Um, It takes time. Progress takes time. You are someone who's been in this game for so long. How do you 
keep yourself enrolled, so to speak, into the process of improvement when you don't see those milestone aspects every single day? Because I know I've done it before. Because I know where I started. And I know that if you had told me in 2018 when I joined CrossFit that I could actually snatch triple digits, much less just snatch, that I wouldn't have believed you. And Mm. so paired with the fact that I've seen other people do it. And so even on the days that I don't believe in myself all the way or just that fire isn't burning the way it up, that's okay. I still show up. I'm still super consistent. And I can typically look around and she's doing it. And if she's doing it Mm -hmm. today, I can believe that she can do it. And if she can do it, I can do it. That, okay, that's amazing. Because I think that, especially when you think about fitness, but I want to make this broader into just a a life aspect, whether that's in regards to like a, a job, profession, relationships, whatever it is, things we're so isolated. Mm-hmm. We don't have examples because we're not surrounding ourselves with people. So how do you make, I guess, one, fitness communal, and I know you mm-hmm. mentioned CrossFit, but two, from a broader question, how do you think people can be really proactive about making sure they have examples in their life of people going after themselves in a self-development sense or going after that next best level version of a relationship or whatever that looks like so that we're kind of breaking past this pattern of isolation. Yeah. So I think that I've heard you talk about it before too, just being really intentional with who and what you're consuming. Um, So I am very, I'm a, I don't put a gold star perfection on anyone. Cause I know that even the parts that I'm seeing that look gold star perfect, there's always life behind the scenes. Always. I haven't met mm. a single person who's not living a whole lot of life that you would have never expected. But I think I try and seek it as much as possible. And I know that's easier said than done, particularly in a COVID world, particularly, you know, that we all live behind these screens now, but I'm about to go to Miami in two days with a group of girls to do calisthenics that I met on Instagram, who I've now traveled to see in San Diego twice. So like, is it weird? You know, would I have said 10 years ago that I'd meet people on my phone and I was just going to travel across the country? For sure, no. But it's finding people who are aligned with you because your circle Mm. is so critical. And so, you know, if you want this relationship, you've got to find other people who have a relationship that you want. And if you don't have Mm -hmm. it, that's okay. But are you reading about what constitutes a healthy relationship? Are you trying to consume? I mean, are you in couples therapy? So if the example's not out there, fine. I hear you. Take in data. Become the model. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, we've got to have examples. And when that fails, take in the secondary avenues read the self-help books, look for the best practices, look for people on YouTube, look for podcasts, look, be wary. We're not looking for everybody's opinion and no one's exactly for you. Like, I think that is the most frustrating thing. I love self-help books. I read one one a month, did it all last year. I'm constantly picking them up. I think everyone has a great perspective. No one has lived my life. If I read that and think, holy cow, I need to hundred percent apply that. I've taken away the wrong thing. Most of the time, there's about 20% of what I should look to apply in my life. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so good. Because I think a lot of people, their mindset around resources, whether that's even TikTok or 
Instagram reels or whatever in regards to seeking out examples or advice or they want someone to do the work for them Mm -hmm. for their own life. That's why we read books and we're like, well, that didn't help because, (laughs) but because you actually have to take that information, synthesize it, apply it, make a new framework for your life, apply that, and then move in it. You have to do work. And that requires getting multiple resources, multiple examples. And I love what you said about having high standards for the people you surround yourself with. In this day and age too, that's also digitally. Mm -hmm. I always tell people like, if you follow someone, they could be the best person alive. Like so kind, so sweet, so life-giving. If you follow them and your reaction to their content is feeling worse about yourself just because of your own inner demons or whatever that is, unfollow them. Mm -hmm. You need to have like high standards for the content you consume every single day from a podcast, book, social, whatever standpoint, the people you're speaking with. Um, And to take that back to initially, you know, what you said about cutting off the thought, that requires awareness. You have to be aware about how you feel when you're around certain people or listening to certain stuff. And, And I think something everyone could take from this is the more you train your body physically, get in tune with your body mentally, get in tune with maybe some of the things that you're going through and choosing the heart of walking through them, the more aware you become. And when you're aware, you can address it. And when you can address it, you can get stronger from it and one day help someone else walking the same path. And so I think I think that that is so valuable, everything you just touched on. And I know we're coming up on time here. So I wanted to finish with my last two questions that I always finish the podcast with, Lucy, which is what advice would you give 27-year-old Lucy, your 10-year-old self, and what advice would 10-year-old Lucy give 27-year-old Lucy current day? Ooh. I think 10-year-old Lucy, I'm going backwards here. 10 year old Lucy would say that we learned a lot to just keep going. We've learned a lot Um, to be grateful for the people who've come into our lives, to be grateful for the amount of sports we were put in and activities we were exposed to and that we got to see so much so early. So root into the gratitude of it. Now, 27 year old Lucy would tell 10 year old, to hold on because it gets so much better, so much better. Um, And you know that I just can't express enough to anyone who is struggling and feels so alone and feels so isolated and feels like every day is a trial to get through and that there's just no lift and they're stuck in darkness. Just hold on and let light creep in as slowly as it needs to. It can take years, but fight for yourself. That's so powerful. Just hold on. It does. It does get better. That's, I think that's just the promise of life is you're Mm going to go through hard times. You're going to go through gut-wrenching times. Um, But even in that, it will be used for good and it will be used as a light. And there are lessons to be found in that. And just to, to hold on, just like you said. So, Lucy, thank you. You thank have you. provided so much value here today. And I'm so excited for, for anyone in any walk of life. I think that's the most powerful thing about all the content you share, but especially on this podcast today. It's applicable regardless of the, the age demographic you're in, the background you come from, the gender you are, because we all go through struggles. We've 
Lord knows most of us have been through a struggle within that relationship of, of food and exercise, but the mental battles of not feeling good enough and everything that you said, I think is just going to speak so much to people. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on Made to Shine and oh, just so grateful. So grateful you, you came on. Thank you so much, Annie. All right. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening all the way through. The fact that you did says so much about your willingness and curiosity to get into your personal development and growth. You guys, if this episode touched you and your spirit in any way, I pray that you share with two friends that you think would really find value in this. This is how these messages get around. And I know I personally just really appreciate when a friend thinks of me when they listen to something and think that I'll find value in it as well. Also, if you find so willing, please tag to your Instagram stories and make sure to tag Annie B. Mayfield. At the end of every month, I will be doing a drawing from everyone that is posted on their Instagram stories for a $50 Amazon gift card. You guys, I appreciate and love you all so much. Have an amazing day.